Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 61 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. Well, we're one day away from the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States where it's not safe to be a turkey. And uh, as you may have been following in the news, if you're watching from somewhere else in the world, we I have been uh, asked to clamp down, put the kibosh on, not meet up with large numbers of people, that sort of thing. So, you know, to try to get the whole COVID uh, situation under control. I've been uh, battling a little uh, bout of bronchitis myself right now, a little chest infection at the moment. I don't believe that it is uh, COVID. I have no idea, quite frankly. I am having a test, to, uh, not tomorrow morning, but on Friday morning. So I don't have any of the typical symptoms from what I have read in terms of the headaches and the all the other things, the fatigue and, and such and everything that's associated with it. But I have been working at cleaning out my basement and finding all sorts of dust. And we had a little bit of a mouse problem in my basement a while back. And I guess I didn't clean up as well about that as I thought I had. So we have some work to do there. And I got placed on an antibiotic this morning as well as uh, some sort of a uh, steroid, something called prednisone, to hopefully knock this bronchitis out. It's something that I typically get every year anyway. It just happens to be uh, now that it has uh, arrived with my uh, my breathing and the change of the weather. So I'm going to uh, battle through this. I think my voice is okay. I've got my cup of uh, water here to go along with the podcast tonight. Now, this is the third of several of the unique episodes that I've done over the last couple of weeks, the interviews. I've got one more set of interviews that I have set aside for episode 62, which I'm going to be working on this weekend as well. But as I draw closer to the one-year anniversary of the uh, podcast, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, to realize again, wow, this has been a year. I cannot believe that it's lasted that long, that, it, that, it's still, that I'm still having fun with it. When I first got... To the point where I was ready to do a podcast, the thought process was, and everything that I had read was that the average podcast or the typical podcast peters out or stops after seven episodes. The person lasts about seven episodes and then it goes away. They just, they run out of material. They run out of uh, drive or desire to do the podcast. Well, this is number 61 for me, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. But over the last few weeks, as I have been doing, and if you've been listening, you heard that I've been doing interviews with uh, supporters of a number of different clubs. My goal with this is to find out uh, what they thought about the, their club's trade period. And uh, in this episode, I'm going to be talking to David Lloyd, who is a longtime Port Adelaide supporter and co-host of the Corn the Pear podcast, as well as Max Blake, who is a longtime Cat supporter. So we're going to hit the minor premiership winners of the last two years in this episode. And uh, I am going to put a link to the Corn the Pear podcast in the show notes. And it took me a while to figure out what it actually meant. And I think you'll hear in the episode how that name came about. And it's one of those names that I'm thinking to myself after hearing the story behind it. Okay, that made a lot more sense than I thought it was going to because I had no idea where they were coming with, with the name for that podcast. And this is one... That is a podcast that is devoted to the Port Adelaide power. So, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into the interviews, I wanted to let you uh, know about something that uh, took place over the last 24 hours or so. And I opened up my merch store for the podcast. And currently I have 
three different designs that I have uploaded to the uh, the merch store. I had a fourth uh, design uploaded. In fact, I ordered a couple copies of the sticker for that design right after I had set up the store because I wanted to have one of those stickers to put on my car, to put on my computer, whatever the case may be. But the company that runs the uh, the design service here sent me an email saying that uh, there was a what they thought was a uh, a copyright infringement. They pulled that one down. Uh, they said that what I had done with it is I had four generic players, and I had a student of mine who was a senior in high school right now that designed three different designs for me. And one of the ones is the podcast logo that uh, that you see if you're listening to the podcast. Which, which is the one that says the yank on the footing and has the little skinny gold guy leaning up against a little uh, background there. That's one that I created on a website myself. That's about as gifted as I am uh, from a technological standpoint. But uh, this young lady did some fantastic designs for me. She had four generic players in generic Guernseys. I said, you know, mix up the combinations, the colors, that sort of thing. I don't want it to look like anything that is actually in play because I don't want to have any sort of copyright infringements. So they're all kind of on the screen and they're looking kind of up at a, at a ball and the, the top of the ball says a yank on the footy podcast. And then it had the logo, which is the, the red, white, and blue logo with the AFL taken out of it and my Twitter handle at yank underscore on in there. And I guess the AFL was concerned about that looking too much like their logo. So they went ahead and pulled it down. So I'm going to, send her an email this weekend and see if she can retool that and pull the red, white, and blue off of there and just leave the Twitter handle there. And I don't think it should be a problem because it's just a generic Sharon. There's no text that looks like the, the Sharon text or anything of that nature. I mean, I have a burly AFL ball about six feet away from me right now, socially distancing itself from me. But the storefront is open and if you're interested, there are, like I said, there are the three different designs. Um, I added a few different items on there that I thought were interesting, like shirts and stickers. And, you know, if somebody was at all interested in like a coffee mug or that sort of thing. But the, the company that I'm doing my storefront with, and I may actually do a second one as well, is somebody called Redbubble, which is a neat company because what they do is they print on demand. You upload your, um, your work, your design. And then they print the stuff when somebody orders it. Now, they have all sorts of different products. So if you happen to go and look at the storefront, and I hope that you do, you're going to see all sorts of different things on there. You're going to see blankets and shower curtains. I didn't set those those things up to be uh, part of my storefront, but they automatically included those. So I don't care how devoted a fan you are of the uh, the podcast and you really enjoy it and you're listening to it on a regular basis. I sure as heck don't you, just don't encourage you or think that you're going to be somebody who would buy a Yank on the Footy podcast shower curtain. I, I I wouldn't even put one in my house, but it's there, and they, I guess they have all sorts of other designs, thousands of different things as well. Now I will mention also, if you are somebody who's into having stickers on your laptop computer, or on the window of your automobile, or your pickup truck, or you know that sort of thing. This this website has all kinds of different stickers for pretty much every club that's out there. I ordered some Geelong stickers a while back as I, you know, I'm a Geelong supporter. 
but I actually, uh, when I ordered a few stickers for my own podcast, I ordered an Essendon sticker for one of my coworkers, actually the principal of the school where I teach, because he's begun to follow the game pretty closely, and he's decided that he wants to become a Bombers supporter. So I picked up a bomber sticker for him, and I'm going to give that to him so he can put that on his truck if he wants to or on his laptop or whatever the case may be. But one of the neat things about Redbubble, and I think a lot of the other companies do as well, is that they, when they print on demand, they print in different places around the world. They have printing facilities not just in the United States, but they have a printing facility in Australia as well. They have printing facilities in a couple different countries in Europe as well. So if you find yourself at all remotely interested in a t-shirt or some stickers or something of that nature for the podcast. I'm pretty sure that they will print them right there in Australia. So you would get them, you know, if you decide to get yourself a Christmas present, uh, they will get them printed right there in Australia. And I believe that their, uh, their printing facility is in Melbourne because I checked into this before I decided on which one I wanted to go with. And of course, then I realized that, well, you know what? They don't even actually print shirts that I would fit into because I'm not exactly what you would call skinny. That's why I, I like to watch the game and talk about it a little bit because it would be completely ugly if I was to actually go out there and try to play it. So I hope you'll consider taking a look. Uh, any funds that I bring in, if I make anything on this, I plan on putting right back into the podcast to help make the podcast better as I move into my second year. You know, possibly upgrading equipment, paying for the the podcast hosting sites to try to get a new web page up and running. I, I have a web page parked on GoDaddy.com. I just have not gone live with it because I'm not a web page designer. I started on one and I guess I didn't save it because all the stuff that I had done disappeared. So as I'd mentioned before, I'm coming up on the uh, the first anniversary of the podcast. And, and again, you know, if you want to just go look and see what's on there, you know, the, the I will let you know that the uh, the designs that are there, one of them is the logo that uh, that you see on the podcast if you're listening to it right now. I did add on there my Twitter handle, the, the at yank underscore on. I did plug that on there as well. But then I also have the uh, the couple of taglines that I use during the, the, the podcast. The uh, Australian Rules Football, it's why they invented the DVR. And I also have one that she designed that I think is really neat looking. The, you know... May your dribble kick never hit the post. She did a really neat design with that, I think. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with it. I hope you'll find it interesting as well. But again, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, please go do this. But you know, check it out. If you're interested, that's great. If you're not, that's okay too. It's not costing me anything to put the stuff out there other than a little bit of time. And like I said, if, if you find something that you're interested in that you want to get or get for some friends or whatever the case may be or you know, cover the entire back window of your car with, with stickers. Okay, I wouldn't recommend that, but you get the idea. I, I'd i be very grateful, but I'm not, I'm not begging or pleading. I'm just, it's there. If you want to check it out, that's fantastic. But as I was saying, you know, December 29th is the first anniversary of the first episode of the podcast. And right now I'm at the point where I'm working at reaching my goal of 10,000 downloads for the anniversary date. Now, I'm a small podcast. There are some podcasts that they put a new episode out. They've got 10,000 downloads in the first 20 minutes. I'm not that person. I'm not going to be that person. It would be great if I was, but I'm a realist. I know that that's not going to be the case. But that doesn't mean I'm not having fun doing this. So I'm having I'm having an absolute blast doing this. But like I said, 
My goal is to get to 10,000 downloads by the 29th, which is about 33, 34 days from now. I'm a little over 600 downloads away. So I hope to be putting out at least another five or six episodes before that time is up, maybe more, which, you know, might help pad the stats a little bit, but that's not what I'm doing. I'm not trying to put out lousy episodes just to pad the stats. I'm not, not doing that at all. I'm trying to put out a, you know, a good product, a good podcast that people are interested in listening to. And if I get to the 10,000, that's fantastic. If I don't reach that goal, then I don't reach that goal, but I'm hoping to. So I hope you'll enjoy the show. And uh, I hope you'll share it with your friends and family. So sit back and relax and enjoy my discussions with David and Max. Now, before I begin, however, I do want to wish Max and his bride a happy second anniversary. So I hope you two had a wonderful anniversary. I saw the, the post that you had online. It looked like you were having a great time there. So happy anniversary to the two of you. And let's enjoy the podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is a big Port Adelaide power supporter. And uh, I'd like to welcome Dave Lloyd from Adelaide onto the show. Dave, I appreciate you reaching out. It's great hearing from people literally all over the, the, the nation, the country of Australia, as well as you know, other places around the world. So thank you very much for reaching out, sir. Glad to have you on board. Not a problem, Craig. Thank you for having me. Uh, look forward to having a bit of a chat about Port Adelaide's uh, off-season and what we've done in the uh, trade period before our national draft in December. You bet. You bet. Absolutely. It's been, uh, you know, they finished up as the minor premieres this year. You know, the, we, uh, they had a fantastic year. I, I Yes, they didn't, they didn't make it to the grand final, but I think in the great grand scheme of things, Knowing what went on, I think any team that made finals, their supporters had to be pretty thrilled about that. And you guys had a dynamic year this year. So, Absolutely. After a few lean seasons with no uh, finals action to introduce a few kids into the, uh, the squad uh, and then um, play finals and then win a final. Uh, ultimately, it didn't go through to the grand final, but yeah, very happy with the year um, seeing us... Uh, yeah, finish top and then win a final. Uh, great experience for some of the younger guys in the squad. And and in in many ways they were they were kind of under the gun, if you will, because from everything that I have had read and was alluded to, you know, Ken Hinckley was kind of told, "You're making finals this year, or you're not going to have a chance to make finals next year." Yeah, absolutely. Um, the squad, I think, most uh, experts around the league would believe that the squad Port Adelaide have had for the last five years has been good enough to to play finals. Our best football has certainly been good enough to uh, beat the top teams, which we've done over the last few years, whether it's been uh, the Richmond or Hawthorne or Collingwood or West Coast of the competition. Our very best football has uh, been able to compete with them and beat them. Uh, it's been our inconsistency and that... Uh, yeah, certainly led to us either not making finals or just scraping in in previous years. And Ken Hinckley, as senior coach, was certainly under no disillusions. If we didn't play finals this year, um, somebody else was going to have his job next year. And when there's only 18 of those jobs around the world, um, he wanted to hang on to it. And I think the players did as well. I think that reflected how we played this year. The players really played for the coach and for each other. Yeah, he, he seems to be, in many cases, you know, similar in terms of, the relationship between the, the players and, and, and himself, 
there's to me there's some parallels between he between he and Chris Fagan. It looks like the players genuinely love him. Yeah, absolutely. His time uh, at Gold Coast, he uh, he spent some time uh, as an assistant with the Gold Coast Suns, uh, and also at Geelong where he played his playing days. Um, and whenever you hear any uh, players that have been involved with either either of those organisations speak about Hinkley, um, they speak with him in uh, about him in glowing terms, just as the Port Adelaide players do. That he um, he's very good at building relationships, um, becomes a, a father figure for many of the younger players. Obviously, many of them are drafted at 18 years old, leave their home state, and uh, become a, a foster child for for families and coaches and. Um, yeah, he's got a, a rapport that um, across the league is acknowledged as being um, very good when it comes to developing relationships with players. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that that's going to be able to continue. And I, I would imagine as a, as a Port supporter, you've got to be pretty happy that he's still going to be there as well. I am. Um, I was fully supportive of the stance the club took, though, if we didn't okay. make finals. It was going to be time for somebody else. Like... Uh, yeah, Hank Ken had been in the job for several years. Um, I, like many others, believed that our squad was good enough to be playing finals. We'd certainly demonstrated in uh, individual matches that we were good enough to play finals and win finals and that we hadn't quite got there. Um, so, yeah, I, I was of the belief that, yeah, if, if we hadn't played finals this year, that it was time to, to look elsewhere. Um, but uh, ultimately, Ken has got us across the line this year, played finals and on the flip side, I'm happy that he continues on because uh, I think he's got us on the right path now. Terrific, yeah. And the the trade period ended. You guys, you know, Port Adelaide did not make a huge amount of moves, but they made what I think could probably be called some pretty impactful moves for them. They brought in uh, Alir Alir. They gave out a second-round pick for, for him. And uh, Razio Fantasia came over for the Bombers along with a, a late-round pick for – uh, pick 29, and then a third-round pick uh, later on, I think next year or the year after. I'm not sure. Um, when the trade period ended, what, what was your, your gut reaction, your first reaction to everything? Were you pleased with what occurred? I was. Uh, in the first instance, I don't think we had a huge list of uh, requirements. If you were going to write out a shopping list for Port Adelaide, what was it that we needed? Um, I wouldn't have had too many on there. Uh, one of them would have been a, a big-bodied utility um, to take over or sort of fill in for the role that uh, Justin Westoff had played for um, 280 games, who retired at the end of this year. Um, so bringing in Aaliyah at 195 centimetres, um, 97 kilos, he's probably a bit not quite as tall as Justin Westoff, but certainly uh, a larger frame. And we also lost Jack Watts to retirement, a former number one pick who had joined us from the Melbourne Football Club a couple of seasons ago. He uh, had a, a terrible injury last year, um, broke his uh, lower leg really badly. Uh, and albeit that he was a, uh, a seen as a key forward, we sort of moved him into that tall utility in defence. Uh, he, uh, much like Aaliyah, 196, 90 kilos. So we really needed someone to be a swing man that could play back, forward, uh, potentially pinch hit in the ruck. And uh, Aaliyah was targeted fairly early, I think, by the club. And we went after him and, and we were successful in getting him. I think we got him, to be blunt, um, dirt cheap. Uh, he was in contract. Um, Sydney, 
I don't think wanted to let him go and to get him for a future second rounder, which if we uh, if we play to our potential next year, finish somewhere near the top of the ladder, could be pick 35 to 40, somewhere around that mark. That's uh, if he'd deal. said we'd, yeah, if he'd said we'd get a Lear for that, I would have taken it. Um, Fantasia, a little bit of mixed emotion for me there because I I can't question our recruiting of our our club over the last couple of years. We've been fantastic at the national draft, bringing in um, as much young talent as we have. Um, I think Fantasia has a, a huge upside. It's certainly a position that we needed some. Uh, depth. Um, Brad Ebert played as a uh, taller forward around that sort of 190 centimetre mark, which is what uh, Fantasia, not quite that tall, but uh, Brad Ebert played that sort of forward uh, into the midfield role. Uh, I guess um, Daniel, uh, sorry, um, uh, Motlop uh, plays a similar role, Stephen Motlop, uh, and also Kane Farrell, but Kane Farrell's a young developing player and, and Motlop uh, at 29, about to turn 30, is at the end of his career. So bringing in Fantasia was a, a very much targeted pick to bring in someone with some experience, 80 games, 25 years old. Uh, he can sort of step into that role that Ebert Motlop played. Uh, and then we've got a couple of younger guys developing behind him. So, yeah, savvy recruiting for that one. Uh, I'm not sold. He has had a lot of injury issues. Uh, but our um, our injury record and performance over the last two to three years has been exceptional. So hopefully we can get his body right. Uh, hopefully uh, he gets in a good headspace being back in his home state and we get the best out of him. Yeah, that was. I was going to ask you what were your expectations for the two of them, and you you pretty you covered that pretty well there. See, I, I th- you know you know Lear Lear you know, is is not a bad person to have backing up your your number one ruck. He he does a pretty decent job of that in that position and you know Fantasia what when, when he wasn't getting pinched by Ben Stratton um like he was a couple of years ago Stratton just <laughs> left him just black and blue that that one game I that was that was that one game you know as a as a cat supporter you know and I came to the game just like four and a half years ago so I don't have that in my DNA where I I hate another club I like watching good footy whoever's playing you know of course I want my my club to win but that I I understood why Geelong supporters dislike Hawthorne after watching what, what had gone on there. But, you know, he, he does flash. He's got look, a lot of uh, Look, absolutely. Uh, he, he's got a lot of tricks in his kit bag as well. He's a, uh, what you would call an a, a explosive small forward. Um, he, he has a lot of skill. He was highly touted as a junior, so uh, went, uh, went fairly well in the draft year. Uh, I do think he's got a lot of upside. I wasn't sure that we needed him, but as I said, I'm, I'm going to put my faith in the recruiting team on this one and uh, and bow to their much better judgment and see what we get out of him um, in the in the uh, in the years to come. Uh, obviously, we were not particularly active in trades, but uh, we did bring a couple of late picks in to help us with our points in the draft uh, coming up. Right. Um, you were you were going to say about Hawthorne a second ago there. You started to say something about Hawthorne. And yeah, Hawthorne. Maybe you don't want to now. I don't know. <laughs> Hawthorne a very easy dislike. Uh, they uh, uh, they um, they've been very strong for a long time um, through the eighties. They were uh, uh, they were a very strong side. Probably had one of the greatest teams uh, on the park throughout the nineteen eighties, late eighties, and early nineties. They. Um, they were just strong across every line. They had stars on every line. Uh, they were um, 
he, they were super strong. Um, they had a bit of a lean patch in the early 2000s where they managed to uh, get themselves some really high-end draft picks and the likes of Lance Franklin now at Sydney and Jared Roughhead and uh, Jordan Lewis, uh, Sam Mitchell, those guys who led them to their three-peat earlier this decade. Um, yeah, uh, any team that wins three in a row, as you can imagine, the uh, the chest gets puffed out a little bit. So it's uh, and, fairly and, easy. And, yeah. they've, and they've earned the right to do that, of course. Yeah. That's... Absolutely, absolutely. But um, uh, Australians are well known for having a bit of a tall poppy syndrome. So you win three premierships in a row and you have a target on your back. <laughs> yeah, as, as, yep, exactly. Now, was there anybody you were that you were looking at your on your own, thinking, "Boy, I hope we can pick this this player up." Was there anybody that you were hoping the club was going to target? Um, look, there were a couple of um, free agents that were on the market who uh, I could uh, I could think that Port Adelaide could do with. Um, it was obviously very late in a very tumultuous trade period for Collingwood. Uh, Adam Trelaw was a player who uh, who I thought Port Adelaide could deal, uh, certainly um, add to our list. He's a uh, outside mid, um, carries the ball well, um, mm-hmm. a fair bit of pace. That would be someone who I, I, I could see fitting into our, our side. Um, but I guess from a key position point of view is, is typically what... Um, AFL fans look at, they're the ones that take a little longer to develop. Uh, I'm pretty happy with our big man stocks at the moment. I don't think we need a lot uh, other than that utility that I mentioned. And I perhaps didn't have a leer on my radar, but when his name came up early in uh, the, the rumours that, that roll around on the, on the Twitter feed, um, I certainly uh, was all on board because I think he can add a, a lot to our side. I think he's got a real upside. And I'd, I'd like to add for that off-field uh, Port Adelaide has a real connection with community and our Indigenous community, and we are very proud of uh, the programs that our we, our club runs within our uh, Indigenous community and and our wider community. And from what I understand, Alia is a stand-up individual off the field who's going to add a lot to our uh, cultural uh, significance that we hold very dear at the Port Adelaide Football Club. And I think uh, that may have. Uh, helped or perhaps even um, aided us with with targeting him is uh, yeah he sounds as though he's a, a really good guy off the field who's going to add a lot to that part of our club as well. That that's fantastic and, and that's one of the things that way back when I started this podcast uh, in December of last year, you know I, I talked about how I, I really thought that the relationship. And again, I've never seen a game in person, but just from what I have read and what people have told me, that the 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 interpersonal relationship between the clubs and the supporters of the clubs is unlike anything that we have here in the states. It just it it doesn't exist here in the states the way that it does with with the AFL, and it's just it's really neat to see that. Uh, I think that comes from a, a grassroots level. Um, I've got a, a, an interest in, in baseball, so I keep an eye on the, the major league over there. And I've had uh, some of my son's friends have, have gone over and, and had a go at uh, trying to get themselves into some of the minors and, and not having an understanding of what happens at grassroots level uh, within the baseball world. You know, From what I understand, you sort of have your midweek, you know, your... your um, 
uh, office leagues, if you like, where it's uh-huh. uh, you know potentially uh, you know workplaces against each other. Um, it seems very foreign to me because the the uh, grassroots um, Australian football at uh, at the suburban level is is tribal. Um, you know, uh, within the South Australian, um, just within our met- greater metropolitan area here in Adelaide, there's uh, eight leagues with 10 teams in each league. Many of them um, have a reserve grade as well. So you might have your A grade or your senior team playing Division 1, then your, your, your Division 1 reserves is your, your, uh, your B grade, as we call it. And then in Division 7, they may have a C grade and Division 7 reserves a D grade. So uh, quite a few suburban clubs here have four senior men's teams. Okay. Uh, and then that then goes through to the South Australian National Football League or the Sandful, as it's known, which is the State League. Uh, and those are suburban, so Port Adelaide and West Adelaide and Glenelg and Norwood, suburbs around uh, Greater Adelaide. And that is tribal. Um, they, you know, you, you're born into that. If you choose to support another team, you probably be looking for foster parents to move out. Um, <laughs> and 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 that that has gone through to AFL level because um, the VFL, as it was, uh, expanded to the AFL. And you know, those teams like Essendon and Carlton and Collingwood, they've hated each other for generations. Uh, right, and right. that's the connection with the community. Um, the clubs have always been very accessible. Um, you know, being able to go and see, you know, ten years ago, you could go after a game, and players would actually get presented uh, within the the club rooms, and coaches would talk about how they played, and players would be able to mingle with the, the, the supporters, and and they'd get direct feedback from the supporters, whether it was good or bad. So, uh, there's a real connection with community uh, for all clubs. Yeah. Do you? And and maybe this is this is. Uh, you know, you said you follow the sports here a little bit in the U.S. You know, the, 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 the salaries that U.S. sports pay the athletes, and it, a lot of, it, it all comes from the television contracts and that sort of thing, are astronomically high. I mean, huge, you know, the, you know the, the guy who's the worst player on the Major League Baseball roster is making a league minimum of about $400,000 a year. And, you know, that's that's kind of a middle-of-the-road average salary of a, of a you know, two, three, four, five-year player in the AFL. You know, so my thought on it is that in many cases, the sports here in the U.S., they've kind of priced themselves out of, you know, being involved with the, the fans because, you know, they're in many cases, you know, extraordinarily wealthy and they're, you know, they're off doing their thing and, and you know, seeing the stuff that people post on Facebook and such about, hey, I saw such and such a player, you know, at the grocery store today. And, you know, we talked for a couple of minutes and I snapped a quick picture of the two of us, that sort of thing. That doesn't happen here in the U.S. I have never seen a, uh, yeah. a fan do that here with an athlete here in the U.S. Look, uh, what you just said there, uh, I live really close, uh, about a five-minute walk from the uh, Port Adelaide home base, our training facility at Alberton Oval. I live in Alberton, so I'm only five minutes away. And uh, during the season before the COVID bubble uh, was implemented, uh, and over the last few years, um, our captain, Tom Jonas, I'd um, see Tom uh, pretty much every Monday morning at the local cafe where I'd grab a coffee on my way to work. Um, I'd buy him one if uh, we had a win and uh, he'd buy me one if we had a loss. <laughs> and 
have a bit of a chat about uh, the game and uh, and how we saw things and uh, yeah, occasionally see the media manager there, um, Ken Hinkley from time to time uh, with assistant coaches having a coffee. Uh, they're very accessible and I agree. I think the, uh, the game, albeit uh, they can earn a very good living, um, you know, upper echelon of players would be on, you know, that eight eight hundred thousand to a million dollars a year. Very few, but the bulk of them probably around that five to six hundred thousand dollar mark, which uh, here in Australia is um, a very good living and can live yourself a very comfortable life on that sort of income. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still very accessible, uh, and I think uh, really important that um, fans have access to them because I think it keeps them grounded. It keeps them um, level-headed. They understand that what they're doing, they're privileged to do it. Uh, and people who uh, live uh, their their life wrapped around it, you know, their emotions uh, come Monday morning when they head off to work are, are based on the the game on the weekend. And I think the yeah the multi-millionaire uh, players in the U.S. sports are completely detached from reality and perhaps don't understand the emotional roller coaster that fans are on, um, and uh, and become a little bit detached from from what reality actually is. Which and that's one of the, what's one of the reasons why I, and granted I'm not I'm not there in person seeing the games, but it's one of the things that, that really drew me to this is just seeing that that level of, of fan interaction. I just I, that is so impressive. I you know I have a, a there's a gentleman that here that lives in Florida who I who's a Bulldogs fan, and he made a trip to, and I, I would argue he probably has more Bulldogs swag at his house than any Western fan that lives in Melbourne. He has something new every day that he's posted online, and it, it's terrific for him. But he made a trip in 2018 to go watch a couple of games in Australia. And the cheer squad welcomed him with open arms, bringing him on the field to hold a banner before the game, sitting him in the front row with the cheer squad during the game. It was just like – it was so impressive that, 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 that they embraced him. And I, I can only imagine that happened with probably every club with with supporters who are you know coming into the game and it's just it's really neat to see yeah absolutely absolutely we uh, uh i've been privileged enough to to go around the country and see games at different stadiums uh, got exactly that um at the uh, optus stadium against the west coast eagles got out on the ground and hold the banner up before the game and uh yeah it's um the fans make the game and uh I think we saw that earlier this year when the games were being played in front of empty stadiums. It just didn't quite have the same feel as what it does when there's there's people there with the emotion uh, that is attached to it. Um, yeah, um, clubs, uh, and I think the term club is really important because you, you, you're a member of a club um, as opposed to being a supporter of an organisation. There's a, a huge difference. Right, right. That's... And I, you know, this this past year, this will be my second year being a uh, a, a member of the Cats, and that you know, that's I'm. It's exciting to be able to do that, you know, because you know, you, even if you're fifteen thousand kilometers away, you still kind of feel like you're you're part of the group. Absolutely, and that, you and are. that's and that's that's kind of neat to be able to do that. Yep, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what I, you know, I think we covered everything that that. I wanted to get into it. Great that we were able to dig into some of these other topics. I, I know you've got some phone calls that you have to get back to. Um, so I, I do. Yeah, wanna... That's fine. Look, just go ahead. Just quickly. Just want to have a quick, uh, a quick chat. The, uh, uh, with the draft coming up, our national draft, Port Adelaide. Don't I get completely any forgot about that. Pick... 
that's all right. <laughs> they don't get a pick until uh, pick pick thirty five. Uh, but uh, what will probably happen is uh, the uh, in the local competition, the Sandful, uh, a young chap called Lockie Jones uh, is part of Port Adelaide's Next Generation Academy. He is um, an Indigenous player who uh, we have um, put through local scholarship program, if you like, at schools. Uh, our Next Generation Academy promotes education within our Indigenous community. Um, He's been a part of that program. Uh, he's uh, a man-child at uh, 18 years old. He's about 90 kilos, uh, 190 centimetres. So he, he's built to play senior football straight away as a small defender, perhaps midfielder. Um, he'll probably get called out early in the draft, probably in the top 15, maybe around the 10 to 12 mark. Uh, whilst Port Adelaide don't have a pick in that range, what we will do is we can match that bid with uh, points, each draft pick is allocated a points uh, value and someone will probably call his name at around pick 10 or 12 and what we'll do is we'll bundle up all of our later picks in the draft, uh, collate those points together and match that bid and I would suggest during our draft it'll be uh, very few players come on board but yeah, Lockie Jones is a player who will uh, very much be targeted by Port Adelaide and I think as I said probably be in the top 10 or 12 but we'll match that bid and have him join our club uh, over the summer. Terrific yeah that's yeah I've 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 watched some video of the drafts on YouTube because it's it is other than trying to figure out what a hell ball is it might be the most confusing thing that uh that that the that the AFL offers to somebody who hasn't followed the game for very long. You know the fun yeah, thing and the the academy stuff. It just it's it's really interesting. Yeah, look, unfortunately, it's it, it's it's just as confusing for someone who lives at. Um, not all clubs have the same father son um, qualification. So the Victorian clubs who are recognised as let's call them the original clubs, they have different father son criteria than the uh, clubs outside of Victoria. Uh, the clubs within New South Wales and Queensland have. Uh, academies that are slightly different to what South Australia and Western Australia have with next generation academies. Uh, there is no consistency. Uh, hopefully that one day becomes a little more um, clear and consistent across the league. Uh, but at the moment, yeah, we, we um, our players come through what we call uh, our next generation academy. And yeah, Lockie's been part of that for a little while and um, probably have a, an 18 year old come into the squad who uh, is ready for, playing at senior level straight away, just as several other guys have done in the last year or two. Terrific. And it, it, it's neat seeing that, uh, that, that you're able to, you know, keep the, in some instances, the, the local kids or the kids that you help to develop into the, the young players. It's almost like the minor leagues in baseball in a way, except they're, you know, the minor leagues in baseball, exactly. they're already part of your organization this way. You've still got to go and bring them on board. Exactly, and he was a—he's a Port Adelaide supporter as a child, so he—he'll uh, be very happy to uh, don the uh, Guernsey one day for Port Adelaide. I'm sure. I have to tell you though, I do think you know, I do think that you know that that Port does have one of the you know top three, you know Guernseys. I think that that the, the uniforms they wear are really sharp. That's a—it's a really sharp looking uniform. The color combination is really great. Sim- yep, yeah, simplicity. Uh, often can be the uh, uh, the best thing and yeah very simple v and yeah uh, i love our home guernsey yeah terrific well 
ladies and gents, I want to thank uh, Dave Lloyd, a uh, big Port Adelaide Power supporter, for coming on. You gave me a lot of insight in terms of how the the Sandful works and how uh, Port is is still primed to go ahead and and make a push for the premiership this year. And I, you know, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna be up there towards the top. On you know, unfortunately, I I think we both have to agree. You know, our clubs are both pushing there. We both got to get past Richmond if that's going to happen. Um, but the, Absolutely. Yeah. So, Dave, I really appreciate you coming on, sir. Thanks so very much. I, it was a lot of fun. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is a local footy commentator from the Geelong area. He's a huge cat supporter, and uh, he popped up on the screen, had his cats on, cat's hat on, so I decided to put my cat's hat on as well. I'd like to welcome Max Blake to the uh, – podcast max thanks for coming on i appreciate you reaching out sir no problem mate uh yeah great to be here and great to be talking geelong footy club in november yeah that's that <laughs> terrific i yeah i have about six or eight different podcasts that i have bookmarked on my computer that uh are all footy related and i'm always looking for the the latest episode to come out uh it's it is a little strange to talk about footy at this time of year but uh it's you know it's been kind of a busy last couple of weeks for the cats and maybe more so than mm. possibly any other club except for the bulldogs and whatever the magpies are doing. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now that's been, that's been funny. I know you're in America at the moment, but the talk back radio, you know, the AFL do everything possible to stay relevant this time of year. Um, and there's a little bit of a conspiracy that this was all Collingwood and the AFL all set this up just so the AFL can stay in the news for an extra few days, and yeah, the Collywood uh, fans have been very vocal down here uh, over the last uh, four or five days. Yeah, I've, it's been I've, good. It's been good. I've spoken to uh, one supporter who's not a big fan of what went on, but I have somebody else who's scheduled to come on that likes the moves that Magpies made. So yeah. I re I'm yeah. really looking forward to hearing their viewpoint on and their reasoning as to why they feel that way. So, so now that the trade deadline has has passed. What are some of the, the first words that kind of pop into your head about how the trade, the, the trade deadline ended up and the results from it? What are, what? Uh, I think all it says is the chips are in. The chips okay. are in. Uh, all the cards are on the deck. We've put out a full shuffle. Um, we have now, probably for the first time uh, in the Chris Scott era, I think the club has got some pressure on them. They've got pressure from the, the players and, uh, more importantly, the coaching staff as well too so it seems like anything under a, a prelim final next season would be uh disastrous um but yeah they've decided to to wipe away their draft picks they've gone from gone and recruited 30 year old players when there was probably a potential that they could have got a couple of players in the mid-20s but they have gone for short term uh rather than long term um i like it probably about when we lost to port adelaide in that uh qualifying final I thought oh here we go again maybe it was time for a little bit of a reset but uh, I think things changed when Jeremy Cameron said yep I'm coming to the club um, when you've done that I think yeah your, your strategy has to change and um, yeah Higgins and Sm I think Smith was just uh, the nice little uh, knife set that you got with uh, the Higgins and, uh, and Jeremy Cameron package and uh, yeah the chips are in it's exciting times here at Geelong and yeah the pressure is definitely going to be on the club uh, for season 2021 so do you, do you think that Isaac Smith's role is going to be less important then than, say, Higgins and most assuredly Cameron's role? 
Yeah, I think so. I think I I could potentially. I was talking to a couple of good mates of mine yesterday about it, and uh, I could potentially see him in him in and out of the side throughout the year. Um, we've got a couple of you know big wingmen. You know, Menegol is an excellent wingman, and I I know he got a bit of criticism about it last year uh, in the prelim against Richmond. But Blitzarv's on the wing um, this year was pretty good. I think it just mm-hmm. makes uh, a big big man that can take the mark on that. Uh, on that wing side and set him up to go inside the Ford 50. But I guess with Harry Taylor leaving, he's going to go back down to fullback where, you know, that's probably his strong card. But um, the good thing about Higgins and Smith is they're two elite kicks. And it's something when the pressure's on Geelong, our kicking goes wayward and it becomes <laughs> uh, turnover city. Um, but yeah, having those two guys in that are just really elite kicks, what it could potentially do is those two be mature players. They can actually teach their craft to one, to some of our younger players, like a, a Sam Simpson, who is pretty good by touch. Like he's one little 15 disposal kicks, the 15 metre kicks are pretty good, but he's also, you know, I think his efficiency level is pretty low. So if Sean Higgins can sort of teach him the craft, you know, Sammy Simpson, I think is going to be one of those players that could potentially be a Brownlow medalist if he can get those attributes um, right. So it's, you know, a good three players that come in and it's also, yeah, they, they can teach the craft to the younger players. Well, do you think that they, uh, that they mortgaged too, or do you think that they mortgaged too much of the future in the Cameron deal? Yeah. Um, I reckon that clubs, uh, they hold draft pick. I think they overrate draft picks a fair bit now. Um, you know, you take a look at the Essendon Western Bulldogs deal and the Adam Saad one. You know, they want pick eight and you know, they want to swap pick seven for Josh Dunkley and all this stuff. You take a look at the list of Geelong's first round picks and they're all not there anymore. So, you exactly. know, I, I, take, I take an established 500 goal kicker for three first round picks any day of the week. Um, okay. You know what you're going to get with Jeremy Cameron. You know that he's going to instantly make your club uh, better. Um, you can... Those three picks could have easily been players that, you know, could potentially have played 200 games. Yeah, that's, I guess, the lottery. Um, but then to get a player like Jeremy um, into the side is, is sensational. But the thing is, though, we've, we've got two second-round picks for next year off him. So exactly. exactly. We, end up, we end up with a first-round pick next year's draft plus three second-round picks. So, and then this year's draft is going to be compromised heavily. So those picks that we had could potentially going to be in the 20s anyway. So, you know, it's going to be a hard one. It's going to be interesting to see how the draft actually goes. But I reckon a lot of the 18-year-olds that potentially could have got drafted in the Victoria area this year might not get drafted at all. And then they'll go into the next year's draft as 19-year-olds and then potentially going to be picked up in the 20s and the 30s. So and, and we've ho- got about 15 players on the list and- anyway that's under, under 22. So... Yeah, not too bad, and, and hopefully be more physically mature also, and be ready yeah, and to handle the rigors yeah. of playing, you know, in the yeah, VFL or at the AFL level. Well, that's it, and we've had a year where we didn't have any VFL, and they've had these scratch matches where right, they've been right. playing on fields that aren't actually the size of AFL grounds. So, um, and that's why I think the criticism with Jordan Clark, you know, didn't get much of a go this year, but you've seen the size of him; he's a stick. Um, yeah, that's and we've been we've. We've been putting a lot of time into Sam Simpson. When he first um, debuted, you know, four years ago, he was a size of a stick as well. And look at him now. He's, he's a clone of his old man. So I think they've just been patient with Jordan Clark. And 
whoever was going to get drafted this year weren't they weren't going to get any game time this uh, next year either because of the players that we've brought in and the players that are already in line. So Charlie Constable, um, you know, Brandon Parfit will get more game time. Sam Simpson as well, um, potentially Cooper Stevens as well. Um, he's one that I reckon would hopefully be challenging for round one. Yeah, that would that would be terrific if he was able to do that. It's you know I it, yeah kind of leads me to, to wondering then do you do you think that uh, do you think that the uh, well let me ask it this way is how long do you think that the premiership window for the Cats is open? with the list they have right now? It's a good question. Um, it's probably on at, at, at about 5 to 12. I think they've got two-year window with this group. But then um, someone retires, and then the club just goes and targets that position again. So the window can just – I'm one that sort of doesn't – there's sides that are generally can't win the premiership, and that'll be next year North Melbourne and Adelaide. But there's always a bolter. Like the Western Bulldogs came from nowhere. Richmond came from nowhere to win a premiership. And look at them now. They've right, right. set up this unbelievable dynasty. So, you know, you sort of look at Hawkins probably is the next one that probably retire. And probably, I guess, Lockie Henderson as well. Um, but then, you know, if Lockie retires at the end of next year, what's to say that Geelong doesn't go after a, a Tom Duday from uh, Adelaide and bring him back home to Geelong? Um, you know, Tom Hawkins is retiring in a couple of years' time. Well, potentially, Jeremy Cameron's going to fit that role. We've got Nathan Kruger. We've got Azava Radagalia. So the club does really good at uh, filling in those little potholes. You know, Gary Ablett retired, and Sean Higgins has come to the club two years. So, you know, I good guess point. the window could potentially stay open. And then, you know, re- realistically, when Zach Tilly retires, Jordan Clark's going to fill that void. Um yeah, and Joel Selwood as well. We've got Cooper Stevens, and then the possibility, just uh, keep it on your hat, but Zach Merritt's a free agent next year. <laughs> He's from down this way as well. He's uh, an instant uh, player that can replace Joel Selwood, so that could probably potentially someone that the Cats could target as well. So, yeah, window could be possibly open, but it depends what happens. I think if they catastrophically go down the ladder this year, or next year, sorry, there could be a, a, a one of those, you know, Re, rebuilds or not rebuilds, but just a reshuffle. Yeah, I, it's, I was just looking at the. I have my other my other screen open here, and I was looking at the list. I didn't realize that Jeremy Cameron was as tall as he was. Yeah, he's, he's a giant. Yeah, he's only two centimeters shorter than Tom Hawkins. So I didn't yeah. realize there was that big of a a drop off. And that's. I, I'll tell you, I, I'm really excited to watch the two of them playing side by side, because to me. That in the last couple of years has been one of the, the, the biggest opportunities you know, for success that, that Richmond has had with, with Jack Rewalt and mm. Tom Lynch together. Because you know, the clubs are having to figure out, okay, who am I going to defend? And then while that's going on, you've got somebody that's rolling through there that's picking up any mongrel ball that's laying around and kicking goals in Dusty Martin. You know, mm. So it's you – know, I, I, Well, that – that name I, gives I, me the shivers, Dusty Martin. What's that? <laughs> gives me the shivers. Well, I, I know it does, but you know, <laughs> I, I've and I, I mentioned this in an episode uh, last week or the week before, and I and I and I I qualified it saying I'm I'm in no way making a comparison to the two players because this player is not on par with him at all. Mm. But I, I can see Brian Myers start to fill a little bit of a role 
like Dusty Martin does with just how quick he is inside and just be able, you know, just be able to, you know, the way he kicks the ball anyway, you know, that it's already coming off at those, at those odd angles as it is, mm. <laughs> even just a, on a small, small way, he could, you know, kind of be like a, uh, a cat's version or a miniature version of Dusty Martin for the cats. I'm, I, I think he's going to have a phenomenal year next year. Yeah. I reckon he had a, he had a weird year this year, didn't he, Grind? He sort of had some games where he did play really well, and then there were right. some games where you just went, oh, why is he in the side? Um, mm-hmm. And the grand final sort of just summed up the year. He, he had really good moments, and he just had really bad moments. But I think, yeah, he's going to be fourth year in the system next year, third year probably as a, as a senior player. Um, he's pretty durable. But, yeah, I think, I think they need to probably make him an inside 50 player. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you. He could be potentially uh, – I don't know if you remember, but Ronnie Burns was one of those players where he'd get eight touches, but he could absolutely destroy an opposition. Uh, and he could not touch the ball for three quarters, and um, he'll kick four goals in the last quarter. And Grind could potentially be that sort of player. And, yeah, he's, he's going to love crumbing it off uh, Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron as well too. And we've got a lot of players um, in that boat. So you think um, Brad Close as well, um, Dalhouse uh, could potentially – yeah, Gary Rowan as well. It's going to be interesting to see where Gary plays next season because, you know, is it is it too tall if you're going to have those three players in that uh, one side? But uh, Gary comes from my old hometown in Cobden and um, he got picked up by the Falcons from playing in defence a senior year at the Cobden Bombers. Um, so he could potentially be a player that can be running off the half-back line as well too. His speed is, you know, phenomenal. He's, he's the fastest player at Geelong. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, I, I agree with Grind. I just, just think he just had, yeah, a few tweaks during the preseason um, and just get, yeah, he's got a great footy brain, natural football brain. He knows where to go. Uh, sometimes a little bit, you know, forward thinking and he, he stuffs it up, but he's only a young player. So, yeah, in two to three years' time, he's going to be sensational. And one of the things that I, you know, I, I have continually heard mentioned about him is that, you know, and again, I've not, I've not watched these players playing at the, at the younger levels. I just don't have that opportunity to do that. But they, I've seen said a number of times when they said that, that he grew up playing as a forward rather than as a midfielder who they're trying to turn into a forward. So he's already yeah. got the, he, you know, that's not, that's not a new skill set that he's trying to develop. It's something that he's done all through his formative years of playing the game. He's played up there, you know, close mm. to the goal instead of, you know, playing at the midfield level. Yeah, and he kicked six goals in the grand final for the Falcons, and all of them were, you know, up against the boundary. Amazing <laughs> goals of the year stuff. So, yeah, he's just that natural, natural player, and um, he does definitely remind me of uh, Stephen Milne, who played at St Kilda. I think he kicked five, six hundred goals as a small forward pocketer. So it can be achievable. Um, but yeah, I just think yeah, he's just. I think they they sort of probably put too much on his plate. And he just needs to probably, you know, just focus on that inside 50 role. But he's, uh, he's pretty elite running around the ground too because he seems to get a lot of the footy inside the defensive 50 and he seems to, you know, at the end of the play, he's inside the 50 too. So his running capacity is pretty strong. And I think that's where the Cats see him as a, a player that can play across the ground. But he is, he's a, a small player too, like, right, you yeah. know. 100 and 178 centimeters. So that's yeah. uh, as shorter than me, and I'm pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> so, is this the? Uh, well, let me ask you this question first, and I'll and I'll close with that one. Then, 
What club do you think had the best trade period? Uh, if it wasn't us, it was the, definitely the Western Bulldogs. Okay. Uh, for the fact is they kept Josh Dunkley um, and they filled, they filled holes. Uh, Adam Trelaw came to the club. They got a, the backup Ruckman in uh, Stefan Martin to help Tim English. Uh, and they got, uh, uh, what's his name, Mitch Hannon from Melbourne as well too. But then also St Kilda, I think they did a pretty good job because, again, they filled the holes that they needed. They got a, uh, you know, a second-rate forward in Sean McKernan that's going to definitely back them up as well. They got Jack Higgins, who they needed another forward pocketer, and they got uh, Brad Couch. Brad right, Couch. They right. needed another inside midfielder. So I think Geelong, St Kilda, and uh, the West Bulldogs got exactly what they wanted out of the period. They filled all the holes they needed. Um, and they're basically, you know, three sides in that premiership window too. So it's always easier when you're in that window um, to probably get what you need um, because more, more players are more sold on what you're selling to them than probably, say, a Hawthorne at the moment or, a, um, you know, an Essendon who a little bit in no man's land at the moment. But um, I think Essendon failed in uh, getting what they wanted, which was good because we sort of don't like their list manager. <laughs> Is that that... Uh, Dorio. Yeah, I was going to say his last name begins with a D because I've yeah, seen a lot yeah. of discussions about him online, a lot of people talking yeah. about him on Twitter. Yeah, I don't, mind, I don't mind the way he goes about it. He puts his players on a, a pretty high pedestal and that's, that's no problem. I think if I was a list manager at Geelong, um, I sometimes get a little bit frustrated with Stephen Wells. I think that he's a little bit too light. I think he's sort of, you know, he sort of bucked at the GWS offer, but, you know, the, the Tim Kelly deal, um, I sort of thought we could have got a, a decent player out of West Coast as well. But I guess as well, too, we, we have a saying in Wells, we trust. That's a bit of a hashtag that we have in Geelong. And uh, we end up didn't have it to, to lose a Brandon Parfit or a Isava Radaglia uh, in that deal. So I guess that's a bit of a win, too. But, yeah, sometimes I feel he sort of lets players go for a bit lighter. I thought Nakai Cockatoo's deal was a little bit... You know, we put so much time in him. He was our only top 10 pick that we've had in the last decade um, and let him go for, I think it was a future fourth rounder or something. I think it's a third It was a little rounder. bit disheartening. Yeah, it was a little, little bit disheartening. I thought we could have maybe got Alex Witherden in that deal. But, oh, well, I think he's sort of, if a player wants to go and doesn't want to stay too long, he, he lets it go. He lets him go. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm really bummed out about that because when I, when I first – came to the game a little over four years ago and really, you know, started to fall in love with the game. He, you know, and I, as I was figuring out which team I wanted to support, the yeah. Kaya Cockatoo was actually the player that, that pushed me in the direction of the Cats because he, and I, I put something on his uh, Instagram page uh, last week that, uh, you know, because to me he kind of played with that, that bull in a china shop kind of mm, action. Yeah. Just, you know, it was somebody who, you know, who was going to knock you on your, on your keister, you know, and, and not think twice about it. And, and, you know, I hate to see him go. I wish him the best in Brisbane. Mm. You know, Brisbane actually ended up on number, number two on my list of clubs that I was going to support. <laughs> so it, it yeah. sort of worked out there. As I told him, I said, I'm still going to be a cockatoo fan, but I'm, I'm still a cat supporter. You know, wish yeah. the best. But I think everyone, all of us Geelong fans are barracking for him. Um, it's just sad. It's like, he, the first game that he played for us was a, a pre-season game and there was this, this extraordinary goal that he kicked. It was at Geelong against Adelaide where he won the clearance and we got the tap out and he won the clearance and he basically dodged three players and had a shot from 50 and nailed it. And we just all looked, 
I just remember there would have been about six or 7,000 at that game. And we, we all just sort of, it was just silent. And we just mm-hmm. thought, oh, look, wow. this guy's going to be great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there was you know, a couple of patches. He kicked the goal, I think, early on in the 2017 season against Fremantle, right on the wing. Uh, it was over there. And then we found out two days later he broke his thumb and he missed the next eight weeks. He just... <laughs> He, he walked under a ladder that had six black cats underneath it or something. Um, <laughs> he just, oh, it's, yeah. And then every time, every time he was close, yes. he got injured again. What, and he, we he, sort of like, even this year, we sort of waited. With what he's, yeah, we're just like, he's, he's, it's time. It's, he's got he's to play. And yeah, it's just one that I think, I think at the end of the day, it was like Daniel Menzel. You just had to cut ties with him. He's just, he just spent too much time in the rehab. And yeah, we wish him well. And, I'm a big Link Link McCarthy fan as well yeah, too, yeah. and he went up to Brisbane and he's um he's done really well. He kicked that goal against us a couple of years uh-huh. ago to win in the game, and yeah, uh, yeah I, I was uh, like I personally know Link and he's he's yeah been fantastic, and I just yeah, hope Nikaya as well just uh, does really well up there too. Yeah, I I, I think you know he he and Charlie Cameron together. Mm. Are, 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 oh, that's, that's, that's that's scary to think about. Yeah, There's it is. Speed up there. That's, that's frightening to yeah. think about. So yeah. just I, hope he hope he gets games and yeah, I do well. too. And he's 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 only recently become a dad too in the last couple of weeks. So right, right. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, yeah, his family and all that settles. Um, I really thought he might have gone to Perth and played. He's good mates with Tim Kelly as well. So I, I was actually thinking that he might have gone to to West Coast, but um, yeah, Brisbane was a bit of a left field thing, yeah. but. Somebody yeah. said, that, and I didn't know that, I don't know that for sure, but somebody said he was from the Northern Territories. Yeah, yeah. So okay. the, the, the okay. name Cockatoo is a pretty famous one up there. It's like Rioli. Okay. Um, it's a okay. pretty strong one. You, you go have a look at the players that play in the Northern Territory League. There would have been probably about 12, 13 that have got Cockatoo as their last okay. name. So let me ask you this. I've got uh, two, two questions for you here uh, to wrap up. I said, do you think that the club has enough now to finally overtake the Tigers? Because you, know, uh, ta- you know, I don't care who else is you know going to be up in the top four, that sort of thing. Until somebody beats Richmond, they're the players. <laughs> Until somebody beats them, yeah, I think we have every side covered except them, uh, and I don't think it's about personnel. I think it's about game plan. Uh, and the two times we've lost to them, we've been in the finals, we've been in the exact position. Up at halftime, we've played such good footy. You've gone into halftime, gone and got that, uh, the beer, and you've just gone, yeah, we've got these guys. We've got them this time. And then it's the same thing. Third quarter, they just go into fifth gear and they take complete control of it. They erect what happened in the first two quarters. Um, it's just it's it's been it's been a thing under Chris Scott is when the when the the pressure gauge goes up we crumble we absolutely crumble and I don't think we've addressed that the only thing that you can address you can't address it by personnel you address it by game planning you address it by preseason you address by running <clears throat> and uh, finishing off games and this year we've been remarkable finishing off games I think how many times were we two to three goals up on a side and then next thing you know. We've, we've won the game by 11, 12 goals. Yeah. But, and, yeah, so I'm hoping maybe with the Jeremy Cameron um, situation, it, it, you know, the game, like Tom Hawkins has been irrelevant against Richmond. And that's the fact that Richmond has such a good defence. So you bring Jeremy Cameron in, hopefully 
it just, you know, it, it means that either Hawkins or Jeremy Cameron can have a good game. It's, it's similar the other way. Tom Lynch or Jack Rewalt never play two good games against us. It's either one or the other. Right, right. So when you mentioned that, you know, uh, about those two players before, it's probably the same boat for us. But I guess Smith has a, has a pretty good running capacity. But I think we also, what Richmond also do is they, they bring in players that suit their demographics. So hopefully like a Jordan Clark comes in uh, and brings that speed to the club. Um, and then also, like, I, I still reckon we need another in and under def- midfielder. And I think either Cooper Stevens or Charlie Constable can provide that as well too. But then who do you take out of that side as well? Yeah, that's exactly Is it exactly Selwood's right. time? Is it potentially that if we get to the end of the year and Selwood's not in our best 22, is that a, is that a good problem to have? Um, well, yeah, that's, you know, I had that discussion, you know, in one of the, one of the last episodes that, you know, if – you know, for example, you know, I was talking about you know Gary Ablett. I said if he's not, you know, if, if he's not your best twenty-two, I said even if he's not, you you can't not play him. He yeah. he has to be on the grounds regardless. You know, it's uh, if he's healthy. You know, this is before he hurt his shoulder. I said if he if he's healthy, he needs to. He's mm. got to be out there, whether whether he should be or not, in terms of where he is on the twenty-two, he's going to be out there be, just because of his last name. Yeah, and that's one of the issues, I think, with our selection policy is it, it is selected by name a lot of the time. If you think back when Geelong were at their peak this season, so that window where we bet North Melbourne, um, we bet Port Adelaide, we bet St Kilda, we bet Adelaide, we bet Essendon, have a think of who was, who was playing and who wasn't. There was no Selwood and there was no Gary Outwood. And I'm that's not, a, I love Joel point. Selwood. I love Joel Selwood. He's been sensational, but... And he preserved his body for the finals. If it wasn't for that finger injury, I reckon he would have a bit bigger impact. But if you go back next year, we're going to have a full, potentially a full season again. I just wonder. I just wonder with him. There's nowhere else you can play him. You can't play him as a halfback flanker. You can't play him as a forward pocketer. He's, a, he's an in and under midfielder. You can potentially play him on the wing, but he's a bit slow for that position, especially against Richmond. Yeah, I just maybe, maybe this could have been the year he hanged up the boots or potentially just gave the captaincy over yeah. to maybe a Tom Stewart, let him flourish under that uh, role. And then potentially it's not as hard to drop him or leave him out. Um, we did it back in 2007 with Stephen King. We gave it over to Tom Harley and uh, you saw that. It basically, it sort of took the shoulders off King and Geelong were able to probably potentially play Brad Orton's a bit more on the ruck. Okay. But then you never know, Selwood might come back and have a, a blistering pre-season and this is his last dance like Michael Jordan did in that documentary and uh, he has this phenomenal season and uh, finishes on the high as that, a premiership captain. That would be, that'd be ter- <laughs> you know, if he decides to go, that would be terrific. Now, yeah. is, this, is this the most optimistic that you've been as a Cat supporter since the last premiership? Uh, no, there's been a few ones. I think uh, 2013, I was pretty about that year um, and then 2019 too I uh, so both years we lost the prelims by you know we should have beaten Hawthorne we should have beaten Richmond but um, both those years I had this feeling that uh, would come out really well uh, I think was it 2019 we got Gary Rowan and uh, Dalhouse and we kept Tim Kelly um, I think right. all the all the the cards were aligned with us that year um, and then yeah we sort of had a loss well, during the second half of the year and then we sort of just 
became reactionary to that and became we changed our game plan and we weren't attacking. And, uh, if, and then you have this. If Hawkins had kept his elbows to himself, they probably yeah, that's, the grand final. Yeah, that's exactly true. Or yeah. if we played a Ruckman in a qualifying final, uh, potentially when it was supposed to rain, we probably wouldn't have had to face Richmond in a prelim. We would have had the Giants on yeah. a Saturday and we probably would have knocked them off too. Um, that's true, yeah. All those possibilities. If Paul Chapman didn't uh, jump up and knock out uh, Robbie Gray in the 2013 a semi-final, we probably would have beaten Hawthorne and kept the curse running. And then we would have beaten Fremantle of the grand final. All those, it's just, it's, it's just the life of a footy supporter. Exactly. Uh, we had the nineties to deal with, mate, and we had lost, lost all those grand finals. We had that little window where we won flags, and then we're back to the, being the, the could have been, the should have been. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, but I am optimistic. I'm a very okay. optimistic. I'm up and going to be out. It's only November. It's sort of hard to imagine what March is going to bring, mate. Well, yeah, look at look at the bright side. We've got world. we've got we've got you know very soon we've got the AFLW getting started, and you know you know yeah. you're going to have hopefully you know games that you can commentate as well, um, yeah. pretty soon too. So, you know, ladies and gents, I want to thank Max Blake for uh, taking time out of his morning to to come on and, and talk all things Geelong and the trade period. And Max, it was great to have you on. I appreciate it, sir. Thanks for having me on. It was great. Go Cats. Go Cats. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, if you'd like to sign up for the mailing list so that you get each new episode delivered to you first, there's a link to a short form in the show notes. If you'd like to sign up, I'd love to add you to the list. And don't forget to check out the podcast storefront. I will put a link to the show note in the show notes as well, so you can check that out if you'd like to. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast and you'd like to talk about your club's offseason in an upcoming episode, we kind of moved past the trade deadline, but I'd surely like to talk about that. I know it's been a couple of weeks ago. Please feel to reach out, reach out to me at, on Twitter at yank underscore on or send me an email at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast page on Facebook as well. I'm still hoping to talk to supporters from a number of clubs. I have a couple irons in the fire, but I'm hoping to talk to somebody from West Coast and GWS and Fremantle and Richmond, Adelaide and Gold Coast. Although I think I have a Sun supporter lined up, I've just not been able to make a connection with them. Um, the Saints as well as the, the Kangaroos who have made tremendous changes. I'd love to hear from a Roos supporter as far as what they think. I believe I have a uh, the Hawk Talk podcast that wants to possibly link up and, and come on for a little while to talk about the Hawks as well, as well as the D's and the Bulldogs. And Frode, if you're listening, I'd probably like to talk to you, sir, but I'd also like to talk to some other Bulldogs fans as well. So if you're a supporter of even one of the other seven clubs that I've spoken to, I'd still love to hear from you because I want to hear what your thoughts are on, on the, the off season. And by the time you probably get in touch with me, when we set things up, the draft will have been finished as well. So I'd love to hear what you think. And if you've got an idea for a show topic, or you know someone that you think would be a great guest, drop me a DM on Twitter or shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. And just a reminder that, you know, you can find all the episodes for the podcast at yankonthefooty.podbean.com. You can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. Every episode is also available on my YouTube channel. Just search out my name, Craig Wessels. And now that you've listened, I'd love it if you'd consider giving me a review on Apple Podcasts. It lets me know what I need to work on. lets me know what I'm doing well if I'm doing something well. I mean, I'd love your honesty. If I, if I get a five-star review, that's fantastic. But I would appreciate honesty more than anything. Okay, now, if I'm lousy, maybe send me a DM and say, hey, you're lousy. You may want to hold off that one star for a little while. But, you know, if that's what you feel, that's okay. I, I, can, I can live with that. 
Uh, and it lets the podcast host what you think, host know what you think of the show as well. Okay? Now, don't forget that you can reach me, as I said before, at yankonthefooty at gmail.com, as well as on Twitter at yank underscore on. And you can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook at yankonthefooty. And before I wrap up tonight, I want to also thank Mr. Joseph McDade for the use of a couple pieces of his music. Mr. McDade's created some fantastic music, and I'm using Elevation and Backplate. Although I must say, I've been fiddling around on GarageBand, working at creating my own bumper music. So I may, with the first anniversary episode, introduce some new opening and closing music. Not Nothing to slight Mr. McDade at all, but I just thought it would be nice to, to try a little bit new a little bit different music. Okay? I may find something else of his that I like as well. I have to go back to his website. So again, you can find his work at uh, josephmcday.com slash music. He's also on Spotify. So again, sir, thanks so very much. And again, if you haven't done so yet, I invite you to you know sign up for the mailing list and maybe check out the, uh, the storefront. And do me a favor, if you would, if you think it's worthy of doing so, share the podcast with your friends and family, okay? Ladies and gents, I want to thank you for listening because... Uh, well, we're fans of our teams. Deep down, we're fans of the game that we love, and, and that's footy. And, yes, there have been some rule changes, which I'm going to get into in an upcoming episode here. But we can't wait for the season to start. We can't wait for the AFLW to start. I'm excited about that. I can't wait to see what happens here in the AFLW season. So, looking forward to that getting going. I, I, I've not watched cricket other than a couple times. I really don't understand the game that well, and I... Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to some AFLW action going on here. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, thanks so very much. And I ask you to share the podcast with your friends and family. And may your dribble kick never, ever hit the post. I'll catch you later. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode number 61 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook at A Yank on the Footy. Again, thanks for listening, and please consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye.